Welcome to the Ask Why podcast, a series of conversations exploring the future of learning and the future of work with experts ranging from professional educators to investors, company builders, and individual learners. The way we learn and the way we work is changing rapidly. Artificial intelligence is automating ever more tasks around us, putting pressure on all of us to rescale and upscale at accelerated rates while dealing with a level of unprecedented information overload. The education system, built for an age of information scarcity and around a broadcast model of teachers and learners, is simply no longer fit for purpose. But what can be put in its place? If this is a topic you're interested in, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast by searching for hashtag AskWhy in your favorite podcast app or follow us on YouTube or TikTok and catch the video feed of these conversations, which are happening in VR. Today's guest is no other than Andy Bird. Andy has an amazing track record, having spent almost 10 years at Warner Media before going on to spend 14 as president and chairman of Walt Disney International. Today, he's the CEO at Pearson, trying to add more life to a lifetime of learning. This was one of my all-time favorite conversations, as Andy's vision of the future of learning touches on many of the same aspects we believe at Mindstone. And it's exciting to see a company as important as Pearson trying to take a stab at making that a reality. A quick disclaimer before we start, Pearson Ventures is a small investor in Mindstone. Yes, well, hi, I'm Andy Bird. I'm the CEO of Pearson, and it's a great pleasure to be here. I have been CEO for the last two and a half years. Prior to that, I spent close to 30 years in media and entertainment. I actually fell in love with radio when I was 17 years old and have worked for companies such as Virgin Broadcasting. I spent a decade at Turner Broadcasting with Cartoon Network um, and then more recently 15 years with the Walt Disney Company. Yes, so um, I actually as I was, was reading up on your profile I realized we had more overlap as well because obviously I was at uh, Super Awesome before. Yeah, a lot of dealings with Disney at the time. So I wonder. That's right. I wonder if you heard about some of that stuff at the time as well. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you very much for for being here. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Been looking forward to it for a while. Um, there is one question that I ask everyone at the start of the interview, which is, um, what is one thing you believe to be true that most people in your industry would disagree with? It's a very, very good question. I think our industry, the and the industry, firstly, maybe would be how we define the industry, because many people think about, certainly think about Pearson, they think about textbooks, they think about institutional learning. And I see the world of, of learning has been very much lifelong learning. And you're, you're, it's what makes us as, as um, human race so so um, amazing in a way. It's our curiosity, our desire to learn from the moment we're born throughout our entire life. Whoops. And we we have um, uh, sort of compartmentalized it into a rigorous schooling, you know, preschool, K through 12, and then you have this journey into college, into university before you go out into the workforce. And I think that that is being dramatically disrupted. And my definition of higher education, for example, 
is everything from 16 onwards. And I think, you know, you're going to see this blurring of institutional and what I call enterprise learning, you know, while you, you, you learn whilst you're in a, whilst you're in a job, but your, your learning doesn't start at school. It certainly doesn't end at college or wherever. I don't know how controversial that is, but I, you know, that, that, that's, that's something I truly believe in. Yeah. So I think, I think the start of that is indeed, um, less understood uh, the the fact that that just the industry is no longer like higher ed is no longer just university it is everything after high school basically yes and and it is crazy how fast it's evolving this is more and more the case especially now right? i mean we're we'll we'll touch on ai a little bit afterwards yes. but and everything we thought in terms of reskilling and upskilling that was already high pressure if anything, has just dramatically accelerated uh, over the next few years with with everything that's happened. Right, so the need for people to continue to learn in order to find themselves a place in the workforce is definitely yes. something that's highly. It, there. It, it, it's one of the things that attracted me to the company. You know, when I when I when I left Disney, I was certain after such a wonderful company, you can't top working for the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> in media and entertainment, I didn't want to work in another media and entertainment company. And this was back in 2018. And I thought, well, the, I'm very interested in uh, creating impact and purpose. And I thought the two fields or sectors that were ripe for disruption were healthcare and education. And this was back in 2018, because I thought, you know, when you go in into a doctor's office or anything it's it's it very much like it was decades ago similarly you walk into a university and it was is some could argue like it was decades ago and lo and behold you know then with as we've seen in the media and entertainment sector particularly i thought technology could play a huge role in disrupting the educational space and then we had the the tragedy of the pandemic um, and that impacted positively and a lot negatively outside of the the, the, the human pain and suffering you know, within you know Zoom schools. You know the world had to adapt, and a lot of the ways that it adapted wasn't fantastic at the time. But what the pandemic had acted as in many ways was an accelerate accelerant to change. So I think you know what excites me is. We're just on the start of a totally disruptive journey in terms of, as I said earlier, how we define education, how we define learning, and how we use these amazing tools and resources and technology to to, to redefine the experience. It's very interesting because I, <laughs> when we started Mindstone, I literally had the exact same question after having sold to Brasson to Epic. It was healthcare or education. How? Which one of these two, from an impact perspective? Funny, <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, I decided to go with education for two reasons. One is because um, I thought that if I went down to the healthcare route, I probably needed five years of upskilling myself before I could be useful. Yeah. Um, and then second, I thought that education was further behind from a technology perspective. And as an engineer by background, I thought I could be more useful in in that environment than in healthcare, which was at least a little bit ahead still compared to education from a technology perspective. Yes, yes. Those are the two two reasons for me as well. So very interesting, we ended up with the same question. <laughs> um, okay, so one of the questions today, by the way, will have been written by ChatGPT. 
And oh, the, great. Great. And at the end of the interview, I will ask you if you have any idea which one of the questions might have been ChatGPT. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Um, so I read the post that you wrote about why, why we all need more life in a lifetime of learning. And uh, you talk very specifically about how learning shouldn't be a chore and that it's something uh, I've also found uh, when talking to people. So lots of people talk about learning as, as a negative experience. Uh, I actually had a very, as, as we're building months, and often you talk about people that when, when do you learn? And they will answer, well, I, I don't have time for that. Um, yes. You, you then talk about what do they do in their daily job, and you realize that if they're in a knowledge-intensive industry, they might very well have been learning for two or three hours every day, but they call it yes. productivity. Yes. And it's like there's this interesting duality, and I, I guess I wanted to ask you what, do you, what do you think needs to happen for people to start to engage differently with the concept of learning and, and, and get back to a positive uh, attitude yes. towards it? I will. I think it's right. And it's back to my earlier comments around, you know, from the moment we're born to the moment we pass, we're always learning. And, you know, some of that is active learning and a lot of it is maybe passive learning. And this notion, and it's back to the form the people equate learning and education with formality and structure. And I think there's an ability to totally disrupt. And you are, you're doing that with what you're doing at Mindstone, for example. Um, our chief marketing officer is a wonderful woman who actually came from the media and entertainment world as well. And the analogy that she uses, which I think is really apt, is the world of um, exercise and sport. We have as a race exercised, you know, go back to, you know, Greeks time and the Olympics or, you know, we've always run to hunt, for example. Um, and then, you know, even more recently, you know, you would go to the gym or you would play a game of soccer or you would um, go for a run or a swim or something. And then probably in sort of the late 80s, 90s, the note came this notion of turning exercise into fitness and fitness as a lifestyle. And so you look, go fast forward to today and it's the terminology the language the gain the technology around have you done your ten thousand steps yeah. for example and if we can i think it's a really interesting analogy where you know keeping fit going for a run or going for a walk or swim or whatever is still hard in in many ways it takes effort but now you have the technology to reward you to and where you can show oh you know look on my Apple Watch or whatever, I, I've done my 10,000 steps or whatever my goals are. If we it's a can... back loop, yeah. Exactly. If we can take that and apply it to the world of learning, and in many ways that's what one of your goals is, I think that suddenly you know, helps individuals transcend over from learning's hard, I don't have time, to a sort of an enlightenment of, oh my gosh, I've got a world, literally a world of opportunity to learn. Yeah, it's, it is so funny. There are two ways that I often talk about what we are trying to do with Mindstone from a marketing perspective. And one is, we uh, I say, we have to do for learning what Headspace did for mindfulness. Yes. But another one that I use a lot is we need to do for learning what Nike did for fitness. Brilliant. 
Exactly. It's from a marketing perspective, the attitude to fitness, exactly to your point, changed over a period of 20, 30 years. Um, hopefully, it's not going to take 20, 30 years because no. we need it to be much faster. But the attitude shift is absolutely something that um, that needs to happen. Yeah. So, so yeah. interesting that you're talking about in insane yeah. words. Yeah. Um, so you also mentioned the role of employers in creating the right yes. environment, right? And um, in what ways in what ways are you trying to to get employers part of this conversation with Pearson? Well, we have a, a lot of um, you know our enterprise business. Most people think of of Pearson around, as I mentioned, higher education, college textbooks, et cetera, are, are probably our most large, our, our most significant business is actually certifications. And we could talk about the future of that and enterprise. We have over 1500 enterprise clients across our portfolio of products. Um, and I believe that it's where the biggest opportunity is going to lie in terms of, um, I, I think that learning benefit if we call it that, is going to become as important to an employee as health benefits are and pension benefits are. An employee is going to look at a company yes. and expect, to, as you do now, to have health benefits. But they're also going to say, well, what are you going to do for me? How am I going to learn it? If I can't learn and improve myself whilst in your employment, no. I'll go and seek pastures new. Yeah. I see, because yeah, as as learning is more and more important, and the life, the half life of skills is diminishing. Yeah, if I'm not learning whilst I'm with you, my value in the workforce is diminishing, which means it's a one way. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a and then from an employer, I mean, back in uh, you know not too long ago, if you were you know all two things, I think are true. Firstly, all industries have been transformed in one way or the other. I think I can't think of a sector where it's like, well, that's not going to change. Um, you know, I think all sectors are, are undergoing dramatic change to varying degrees. Maybe luxury. Uh, maybe luxury. Yeah, that's a good, actually, that's a good shout out. Um, but, you know, certainly luxury fashion is, you know, fashion and the way you sell fashion, the way you experience luxury, maybe one could argue is changing. But in the old, you know, let's take a, I don't know, uh, the finance, the retail banking sector, for example, you know, in the in the old world, as you uh, a, a retail bank needs to move from branches to digital, they would fire all of the people. You know, make them redundant in in make all the people redundant who work in the branches, and then have to go out and source people with new skills. And that means that the employer loses productivity. Now, and this is something that, that we do, and it's a fast-growing part of our business, is we, we're able, we use, we, we have a company called Fathom, which has the largest skills oncology. We use AI a lot to be able to diagnose the skills of some of those employees who work in, um, or the attributes of, of some of those employees who, say, work in the retail bank and say, we should reskill them. We should take Joshua, who's earning $20 an hour, reskill him into a cybersecurity expert and it's good for us the bank and it's good for Joshua we maintain productivity so i think that way of thinking i think the the more enlightened employers are starting to see that but i think there's a lot more we can do yeah okay that that makes a lot of sense totally totally agree um so yeah 
So you mentioned at some point that we no longer buy CDs, we listen to Spotify, we no longer buy DVDs, we watch Netflix. And so um, how we learn is changing, uh, driven by technology. And how do you think these two are linked? So I guess especially diving into those two parallels, right? How media consumption has changed and how you're thinking about what the consequence or what this might say on how we think about learning in the future. Yes, well, either music or media, yeah, uh, I think went through this disruption at an earlier stage. And I think there's two relevant impacts. Firstly, you went from the bundle, if we take music as an example, you know, the vinyl record is maybe the equivalent of the textbook. And that migrated to the same bundle, but digitally, it was the CD. And then Napster, MP3 sort of came along and allowed consumers, consumers the opportunity to choose the music that they wanted to listen to and not be forced to buy the whole bundle. And that totally disrupted the, the, the whole financial model of uh, uh, record companies at the time. And it was interesting, they called themselves record companies. They were in the record business. They didn't think about themselves as being in the music business. Maybe there's a parallel there between education and learning. Are you in the education business? The, then you can draw a parameter around that. Or are you in the learning business? And and so, you know, I think there are many parallels from the textbook into the e-text, and now you can create playlists rather than tables of content. Your learning can come in the form of virtual reality, video, audio, animation, graphics. It can be more modular. Um, you can start to customize it. I think the role of AI in this is really, really interesting in terms of what you can do. And most importantly, you no longer become anonymous. So Spotify knows exactly what music I like. And the more I listen through Spotify, the better it is at delivering music to me. The same with Netflix in the world of media, film and TV. Um, and the same then can happen in the world of learning. You know, when we would sell a textbook through a bookstore to a student, we had no idea who the student was. Everyone was anonymous. All we had was, well, we sold 20 million textbooks this year. Who bought them? Haven't got a clue. You know, a, a year and a half ago, we launched Pearson Plus, which is an affordable way, but also had a lot more functionality around how you can use um, your e-text. And of course, and then immediately we get to know, oh, it's Joshua. Yeah. Joshua's the one. And guess what? Joshua's studying physics or microbiology or finance or whatever. Ah, as soon as we know that, we're in the position to help Joshua. So you, Joshua goes from being an anonymous statistic to being an individual. And if we can then help Joshua for the next 20 years of his life, as he goes through college into the workforce, that then becomes a very powerful proposition for, for ourselves. And so if you kind of, uh, if you look at this from a visual media perspective, right? So the one with everything that happened through Netflix and Disney plus. Yes, things, but also with the big um, up and coming, well, the YouTubes of the world, the TikToks of the world, the Instagrams. Yes. So, how do you think about the value of content 
within the learning space as you try to figure out these different pieces, right? From the, the highly productionized pieces to the, the pieces that might be freely available for anyone to access. Like, how do you think about the puzzle there? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and I think ultimately, and certainly our strategy is, is focus on quality. You know, focus on quality and trust. And the quality of our IP, I believe you would you would you would expect me to say this. Kind of spending all my <laughs> so much time at Disney, you know, I understand the value of IP. Yeah, I, I and 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 having high quality IP is so important as a differentiator. There is a lot of really great IP on YouTube, for example. Yeah, there's also a lot of rubbish. And how you navigate your way to find the good from the bad, um, the real from the fake, or whatever it happens to be, um, is a challenge. And I think you know companies such as ourselves can really help students, learners, navigate their way through those by providing you know highly curated, high quality content that you trust. You know, we, we recently on Pearson Plus that I mentioned launched a series of channels. So you go to Pearson Plus in version one because you're studying a Pearson textbook in biology, let's say, Campbell's biology. In September last year, we launched this channels concept, which is a, st a series of videos um, that follow the biology curriculum. So regardless of what textbook you may be studying, if you have an interest in biology, we can help you. Because back to one of your earlier questions, a lot of people lack the confidence to learn. We see this in the certification area. It's a bit like, Absolutely. back to exercise, oh, I could never do that. Well, if you're given a training program and you start in a progressive manner, you can end up running that marathon. Um, but you're not going to go from zero to running the marathon in a day. So, you know, if you have a trusted partner who coaches you, I know it's very you know, familiar in terms of what you're trying to build here, what you are building, um, uh, I think that's really powerful. It's, it's interesting. So this <clears throat> part of the thesis that I want to have is that today anything you want to learn online, you probably can. Yes. If you know where to start, if you can motivate yourself, if you are at ease with technology. And so... I guess we're we're addressing this problem by trying to remove those ifs through a learning coach. But another way of addressing that problem is to curate some of the content to remove some of those um, those barriers at the same time. Yeah, or you bring the two things together. Yeah. Because I think you know, I I know you know, there's a lot around you know, GPT four, OpenAI, the good and the bad of AI generally, LLMs. You know, as we were discussing earlier, they have the good, they've, they've, they've ingested, what's it, 15 trillion inputs or something into GBT4? Totally crazy. Yeah. Totally crazy, yeah. mind blowing. But, you know, and lots and lots of really great stuff. Yeah. But it also lots and lots of rubbish. Yeah. Now, I think there is certainly for a company such as ourselves, you know, that has a pedigree. We, we have over 5,000 distinguished authors who create trusted, high-quality material, content. And it's not just the words, it's also the structure. 
you know, if you want to think of the syntax, that's what we're really good about. We don't just, you know, there is a difference between Andy Bird's biology book and Campbell's biology from Pierce. You know, I would recommend everyone reads Campbell's biology rather than Andy Bird's biology because not it's just it's just proven to be so much more effective. So there is, you know, a purity of data input that we can provide that's going to increase the purity of output as we move into this new world. And so I wonder, uh, and let me know if we're going, um, if, if you prefer to move on to another topic, but the, <clears throat> there's a massive aspect in, in education, in learning, which is about the prior context you bring to the table, right? If you and I have the same level of physics, we have entirely different backgrounds. The content that works for me is different from the content that works for you because we engage, our brains will engage with the information in different ways. Yes. So I guess compared to entertainment, which I would say at least up to now has been a world that has been more mass market, right? which is uh, it's not the perfect video or the perfect movie for the perfect person but it's more the the quality of the movie draws masses i wonder if that parallel holds within learning because the because of the inherent personal nature of it and so if a, a strategy of a lot of content ends up one day through personalization not winning out over a strategy of high very high quality content but the same for everyone how, how do you think about that balance between those two? I think that the answer lies somewhere between those two axes. Hmm. I think the answer is somewhere, whether it's not quite in the middle, but it's somewhere between those okay. two two axes. Um, because you see, in 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 you know, if you take if you were to look at my Netflix home screen, yeah, it would be different and would be serving different recommendations than yours. And so there's a degree yeah. of whether that, True. and it's around genres, it's around past habit. It, 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 so I think there are some parallels there um, that, that we can draw on. But what's interesting with learning is, you know, maybe I, I want to take a bit of geology with a bit of biology, with a bit of history, and I want to create my own playlist of learning from these. I'm just picking three random sources, yeah, because it, you know, it answers a a particular curiosity or question that I have. It's not that I want to be pure. You know, this notion of pure vertical um, learning. I think, aside from certain core subjects, like you know, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer where clearly you need to be expert in a particular field and then an expert in a subfield. You know, I think in the future, in the not too distant future, you know, you'll go to college and you'll have a grounding in an educational certificate, a, a subject, let's call it. But, you know, I think the more enlightened universities are going to be have to offer a load of life skills. And so you actually will graduate saying, here's my portfolio. Here's my portfolio. I sort of majored in a way in physics, but I also, I've got certification in understanding of AI or marketing or whatever it happens to be. Therefore, it makes, it's uniquely me and it makes me more marketable as I go into the world of employment. Yeah, we had um, uh, a previous guest on the, the Fireside Chance, Ed Fido from the London Interdisciplinary School. 
Oh, cool. Um, which is the, the first university uh, in the UK to do a disciplineless university. So there are no disciplines. It is a problem-focused university where they look at one problem every semester and they attack it from all angles. So COVID from an economics perspective, from a biology oh, perspective. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And kind of the entire curriculum is, is built around problems, not around um, disciplines. That's really interesting. Yeah. My, I have two sons and they both went to NYU and they went to a wonderful school there called Gallatin. Um, and you basically build your own degree. Um, and so you can, you have access to courses pretty much across the whole of NYU. <laughs> and if you, you have interests in marketing or, you know, my youngest wanted to learn to play the piano. So went to the Clive Davis School of Music and did a semester of learning to play the piano as yeah. part of building his portfolio. And I think that is actually, it's more relevant to the outside world. You know, he, he wants to work in the music industry. He wanted to understand programming. So he did some computer courses. He was doing some marketing courses. He learned to play the piano, et cetera, et cetera. So he could program, um, et cetera. That is going to be more relevant to him than saying, I went to University X and I got a degree in Y. Yeah. It doesn't actually tell me as an employer, well, what are you actually good at? Yeah, I think that's that's a really yeah. interesting opportunity. Uh, totally agree. Um, and so I have to ask you about AI, obviously. Yes. Um, high level, what do you think are the biggest impacts? Uh, I guess let's let's go past the obvious ones, right? Everyone knows it's going to be used somehow for personalization and, and things like. What do you think are maybe some of the second order impacts of? of AI as you try to think about the future of learning, like how are you thinking about this on a kind of five-year horizon, 10-year horizon? Uh, well, I think in, um, and I think this is why I'm so intrigued and why I was so happy to have uh, invested in your venture. You know, ultimately, in whether it's five years, 10 years, I think firstly, the world it will be driven by voice. This notion that, you know, I, I come from the world of typewriters, and postal service where, you know, my first job I wrote, I typed a letter. You know, it, it, there was so many friction points. I had to post it. It was opened, read by a secretary who then passed it to the station manager. He read it. He dictated a reply. She typed it back. It was sent. The whole process took like two weeks. Now we think about it. You know, and, and you apply that to sort of Google search. And I think we'll, we'll be looking going, did we really used to type words into a box and then we would get answers? You know, we'd get answers that weren't necessarily, they were, the relevancy was largely dictated by how much someone paid to, to serve up that answer. What were we thinking? What were we thinking? So I think, you know, the use of audio, I think ultimately we'll all have some form of personal coach, life coach that will be integrated into whether it's a combination of virtual augmented watch phone whatever it happens it'll be sort of augmented into your life that it's like the next next generation of uh, um hey siri or or yeah. alexa or whatever exactly yeah um 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's a very, very interesting bit, especially in terms of the displacement with Google and everything. Like it's, uh, it's interesting how um, divisive that is. Lots of people still think that that AI doesn't work for search. Uh, I, it has replaced my search uh, default. My default now is if I have a question, I ask ChatGPT first. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, it answers. And then sometimes, I when I have a more research-intensive query, then I will go to Google when I need to look yes. at five, six, seven different sources for things. Yes. Yes. Um. So, what do you now going slightly different topic? What do you think about virtual reality and augmented reality? Like, how do you think about? I mean, this is now weirdly enough, AI is taking the spotlight for everything right now because we're right in the middle of it. But AR and VR have big potential for learning like how do you think about that in the slightly longer term well medium to long term i guess yeah i actually think the future the future opportunity is a is probably more in the ar than the vr okay. space although i mean there are some excellent ventures in the world and learning is a, a fantastic application education is a fantastic the you know a this could be a virtual classroom yeah. For example, you know, we are together. We, I know, we could go up to the whiteboard together, wherever it is. We're up yeah. behind us, and and they're behind me anyway, and and yeah. and collaborate. And mm -hmm. um, you know, this ability I've seen, you know, the companies do this where with a you know snap of fingers, we could both now be in the Rome in Colosseum in Rome, and yes. you know, be experiencing that, and um, and the ability to bring those experiences to students who will never have the opportunity to do that in real life i think is very powerful um i it's used already and we're, we're involved in some aspects of it in terms of in the world of medicine and learning in terms of you know, being able to you know use a digital cadaver rather than a, a real life um uh, yeah body yeah. Uh, example body. yeah body um not quite real life but you know what i mean um, and then, um, uh, and so <laughs> I think that it's there. I think, you know, everyone maybe got overexcited and by the potential of it generally, it was certainly hyped up, I think, as Meta invested so much into it. Well, they um, and they still are. Yes. <laughs> um, I think it will evolve as everything. We will look back and certainly the oculus set that i'm wearing will be the equivalent of the motorola brick phone yeah. <laughs> you know if you remember those first digital brick phones maybe you see you're probably too young for that yeah i, I remember um, it by the yeah. live when it was popular uh, yes <laughs> um and you know whether it it, it it will be and i think that's where it'll be some form of augmented reality yeah. will probably work more and then maybe there's a you know, you switch and you can go into pure virtual reality for something, yeah, then switch yeah. it back. Yeah. Default default AR uh, yeah. with, a, with an option to go into VR. Yeah. yeah. Could make make yeah. sense. Yeah. It's, was that, did you, by the way, was that the chat GPT question? It was not. Ah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, so I, this was actually one of the things. So when we, um, when we acquired by Epic um, with, with Super Awesome, that was actually one of the things that I, I was initially, um, interested in, uh, in 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 looking at because i think they like some of the gaming platforms have a really interesting opportunity yes. because they have built out these some of these games that have been built are built in historical periods so the exact yes. example that you gave like these worlds exist so if you could 
take them, if they're built on a game engine, you could take them and just transpose people in them, right? And you are yes. right in the middle of the Colosseum and having yes. every class right there. Yeah, that was something I was really excited by. I never actually saw the the light of day in in the way that I uh, I wanted at the time, but it was. Uh, I still think the opportunity is there for for yeah. engines like that. Be both both Epic and Unity, I guess, have the possibility of of doing something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Getting to the end, um, what are you most excited about for the future of learning for Pearson, very specifically? What's the one thing you cannot wait for the world to see? I don't know how much of this you can actually reveal, obviously, uh, public company, whole thing, but yes. anything that you're particularly excited by that you, you just want the world to see to bring the vision to life? We are, yeah, it's, it's a great question. We are, we are working on a number of initiatives around this notion of lifelong learning mm -hmm. and, and this blend between institutional and enterprise learning mm -hmm. and, 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 um, I'm very excited. We've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes for maybe the last 18 months. Um, it's a bit like create, um, assembling the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And we're now in the process of putting those pieces together uh, to create a picture. And I'm very excited for people to see what the picture is, but I can't really go into any more detail than that. Of course, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe afterwards. Uh, <laughs> and... So there we are. I have one more question um, before asking you about the GPT one. Um, what is a question that you have right now that you wish you had an answer to? Oh, I could go very profound, um, but I think... Please do. <laughs> well, I, I, you know... You know, the one question that really fascinates me, and it's based around the notion of people who know me are going to go, oh, no, not again. I think as humans, we have never really, our minds have never grasped the concept of infinity. Mm -hmm. Of, you know, when I take pi as an example, but, but and then I marry it to, I, I, I bore people silly by this notion, is the universe finite or infinite? Because I find the, the potential answers to that fascinating. Right. Yeah, but both yeah. both are concepts that you can't get your head around. Right? Totally, totally. So if someone could come along, and go, "Hey, Andy, by the way, it's this and it's this." Yeah, because if it's finite, what's on the other side? Yeah. If it's and infinite, you, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the the mind it blows the mind. So I think for some reason we don't. Maybe it's just me, but you know, this concept of infinity we don't really totally grasp. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is that is a really good question to have an answer to. If you ever find the answer, please do. You know, I will, I will. Um, and so, if you had to guess which question was ChatGPT today, what do you think it was? Oh gosh, May I I'll go the second last question. Uh, no, it was the one around um, ah, around the CDs and so the. Oh, really? the learning industry. oh interesting yeah. interesting obviously i fed it some of the yes that you've written yes 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 how it came up, how it came up with the question that was great i really enjoyed the the conversation um how did it likewise really really enjoyed it and i'm very excited to see how um you know your company progresses i think it's super super exciting 
Um, and uh, I can't wait to see as you as you bring all of your pieces of the jigsaw puzzle yeah, we've got together. To say the same thing. It's in the next few months. Well, thank okay. you very much, Joshua. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Uh, really enjoyed it. Talk soon. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The way we learn and the way we work is changing rapidly. Artificial intelligence is automating ever more tasks around us, putting pressure on all of us to rescale and upskill at accelerated rates while dealing with a level of unprecedented information overload. The education system, built for an age of information scarcity and around a broadcast model of teachers and learners, is simply no longer fit for purpose. But what can we put in its place? I'm your host, Joshua Vola, CEO at Mindstone, and I hope today's conversation shed light on at least some of the problems we're facing. If you thought today's conversation was interesting, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast by searching for hashtag AskWhy in your favorite podcast app, or follow us on YouTube or TikTok and catch the video feed of these conversations, which are happening in VR.